Welcome back to another episode of A Feminist Take Podcast. I'm Grayson and I'm here with Anna. Hello everyone. We are from the Savannah College of Art and Design Women's Empowerment Club. Back at it again with another A Feminist Take Podcast. As Grayson said, we are kind of rebooting this awesome platform that some former officers have paved the way for. We would like to remind everyone that Women's Empowerment Club for SCAD students meets on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. East Coast time via the Zoom link, which is in our Instagram bio at wec.scad. <laughs> we used to meet in person as a club, but because of the pandemic and online school, we currently have Zoom meetings. We are hoping to eventually be back in person. Obviously, we cannot say when, but we would love it if everyone could participate and come to the meetings. Yes, totally join us on Zoom Wednesday nights. It's very low-key, but also very informative. You could totally join in on Zoom with your friends and just be part of the conversation. Don't worry if you have homework or you're cooking dinner. You can have it as background noise, but just really come and celebrate with us. Celebrate being a woman and and expand your knowledge. So if you guys remember from last week, we did our rose and our thorn, which is kind of our highlight and our low light, just to recap what's going on in our life so you can get to know us a little bit better. I know that Grayson and I can speak on behalf of the whole Women's Empowerment Club when we say that this week has been so anxiety ridden and a little a little crazy because i don't know when you guys are going to be listening to this but we are currently waiting on the presidential election results yep it is wednesday morning when anna and i are recording this and we are anxiously checking the polls constantly waiting for results so hopefully we have good news to talk to you guys about next week yeah and i think all of us this is our first time voting in a presidential election because we're ineligible. Yeah, we were ineligible yeah. um, four years ago. So it's just really exciting, to, especially because a lot of people that I went to high school with, that I go to SCAD with, just seeing everyone yesterday posting about voting and use, exercising their right has been really inspiring to me, and it makes me very proud of our generation. Totally. It's really powerful to see everyone posting their I Voted stickers. I remember I waited in line, I believe it was about a week ago, to vote um, outside of the Savannah Civic Center for quite a while, and it was super, super hot, classic Savannah weather, and when I finally got that sticker, I was like, I know I've done my part. I was so excited, so it's really inspiring. To counteract our anxiety, we are going to give our rose first, which is our highlight of the week. So personally, my highlight of the week is that we are back on with the podcast and continuing to work on this project and make it better for everyone listening. And My rose is that AOC Alexandria Ostasio cortez our queen, 
got reelected into her position as the congresswoman of the 14th district of New York. Really exciting for her. She really is such an inspiration to both Anna and I. She, if you read up on the election, she fundraised her entire campaign by herself while her opponent was taking a lot of donations from big companies and the fact that she still won by it, it was close but like it wasn't that close it was it wasn't that close. yeah she really deserved it and i that was really exciting for me personally and then to go on to the thorn however the presidential election is definitely stressing me out i know it's stressing everyone out but that is currently the big weight in my life right now i completely agree grayson my thorn of the week is the recent appointment of amy coney barrett which we are going to have a very lengthy conversation on in this episode but that just really put a big blow in my week last week i did not feel very empowered as a woman in that in that moment without further ado here's our conversation with jenna and megan hi hi everyone hi um i'm jenna i'm the club president and i'm from long island new york and i am a illustration major and creative writing minor my name's megan i am one of our two philanthropy chairs at women's empowerment i'm also involved in scad in other ways i am the president of the united students forum um if you haven't checked us out please do so i'm from california and i am a graphic design major so could you guys tell us just like a little bit more before we get into today's topic about why you do Women's Empowerment Club and why it's important to you? Yeah, um, so I do Women's Empowerment just because I come from a very old-fashioned, traditional part of New York, which I think is a very interesting perspective just because like New York is known to be this really accepting, like eccentric place, but like where I live, there's a lot of like hate and ignorance. So I just think women's empowerment is a space where like, I've never felt like I've been around people with like the same beliefs or like the same like moral agenda. So I just really value that. Yeah, it's just very different for me. Even though I'm a junior, I still can't believe there's so many people that have the same beliefs as me. (laughs) I think it's really interesting you say that because I feel like I joined women's empowerment because I'm from... Southern California around LA where it's very liberal and so I'm kind of really used to acceptance and I was nervous about moving to the south and finding people that agree with me. I was kind of scared because I hadn't faced really adversity like that. So I was really excited to find the Women's Empowerment Club and I also just feel like it's a space for empathy. I I like using that word when thinking of women's empowerment because everybody can talk openly without judgment. I I just feel like safe and like the people around me empathize with me. And I love that about women's empowerment. Those are both such good statements. I think it is interesting because I totally relate to you, Megan, because I'm also from like a very liberal family and a very progressive part of a city. And then I hear people like Jenna, and I don't know how you feel from your home. But. My my home's very diverse, so I yeah. was very. Um, I mean, when I where I grew up, we were very <laughs> we were very much encouraged to like be true to ourselves, which is like kind of why I am very like the way I am. Like I never really kind of worried about what other people thought. I was always just kind of thinking for myself. Like when I was eight years old, I wore a Barack Obama T-shirt to school. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, when I come to the club, I came because this is something I was really passionate about and I wanted to continue enforcing what I believe in. 
Yeah, I just think it's interesting because, like, the whole club, like, everyone has different stories. Because, like, you guys are totally on different sides, you know what I mean? Like, of where you come from. So, I think that really, like, captures a lot about what we do. So, yeah. Would you guys like to introduce the topic of of the meeting? Yeah, Um. so today, me and Meg are kind of basing this episode around our first meeting of Women's Empowerment of the Quarter, which was all about just generally, like, what's on the line right now is what we titled it. From the election to when this was going on, we didn't know if Amy Coney Barrett was going to be appointed and the Supreme Court. Our first meeting was, you know, right after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which, of course, all of us took hard. I... Jenna and I were together when we found out. I, like, looked at my phone and I was like, RBG is dead. And we, like, had a sleepover that night. But, like, after those, after that, we, like, didn't talk for the rest of the night. <laughs> Everybody just, like, silently went to bed. <laughs> and so I feel like that's kind of, like, it was such shocking news, even though it shouldn't have been, obviously. She was older and had ailments. But that was obviously going to be the first topic of our first meeting and now there's a lot to talk about because Amy Coney Barrett was appointed. So today we're kind of talking about what that means since it's been a while since we talked about this. We kind of have updates and you know we're going to talk about her hearing and other things. So we wanted to talk about a current event that is a global phenomenon I'd say because while it's just one small part of the world it reflects what could happen in other places which is Poland. And I know that Megan and Jenna did some really thorough research. Yeah, on what's so going on. I got just like to preface, like I got all of the information I'm about to say from uh, CNN, like nothing else. So I kind of went in with a blank slate, like I didn't really know what was going on. To sum it up, the highest court in Poland ruled on Thursday to ban nearly all abortions, but it was kind of targeted towards um, if the child would have extreme defects. So the court ruled that like even if a child ha- will not even maybe survive childbirth, the mother will be responsible for carrying the child to term. And I found that the procedure is only allowed in cases of rape, incest, or if the mother's life is in danger, not if the child's life is in danger. So a lot of campaigners who are out and like protesting this, I got a direct quote that said like, it could force a woman to carry a child even if they know the baby will not survive childbirth, which is like, like heartbreaking. Yeah, like I don't even know what to say. I don't know. A mother knowing that it's kind of like all for nothing is just like so disturbing to me. But there's also like, a lot of protests going on in Warsaw. Did you hear anything about those, Meg? So protesters uh, say there are about 150,000 people in attendance. There are riot police that are using pepper spray on protesters and hitting them to the ground. And 15 protesters were arrested and 14 have been released. Yeah, so it's getting pretty violent. And I know that the one, the protest that we were talking about with like the 150,000 people, that was on Friday and that was the last day of a nine day protest. So people, this is like a huge deal. What's going on there is like catastrophic. People are very upset, obviously, yeah. as they should be. And the police officers that are supposed to be there like protecting, and this is kind of like nothing new, are being very violent to these women which is like so disturbing to me i read an article from the time and they were saying that like up until october 22nd their procedure was permitted only when it posed a threat to women but now like 
it's pretty much banned for all reasons. Like I have here from directly from that article, the country's constitutional court ruled that a fatal fetal abnormality was not justification for terminating a pregnancy and violates the constitution, which is the government, not the woman's body. For the over 10 million women of reproductive age in Poland, this ruling effectively puts in place a complete ban on abortion. And I also don't, I don't, I didn't do any research on like what it's rooted in or why. It's like, I don't know if it's religious, I don't know. Polish government is extremely right wing. Cause they're not, you wouldn't call them Republican because they don't have a democracy there. I don't know the exact name, but like it is extremely, like beyond what we even know here with uh, Trump as our president, like, there's a lot of human rights violations and just like general problems in the country. So it's not really shocking that this happened in Poland while it's still very upsetting and disturbing, especially as American women to be like hearing about this. Since Trump has been in office, I mean, not just since then, but we, we just hear people all the time like, oh, I wanna move to Europe. Oh, America's the worst. Oh, like it's always the worst here, but you have to really, get a bigger lens and see that it's not better in a lot of other places. Right. It's very sad. I think that was the final verdict as far as I'm concerned. Like that's like kind of done. These protesters are obviously trying to have things overturned and like overlooked. I think the protests are sort of done for now because it seems finalized. Hopefully we'll see this again and we'll hear from Poland again with some good news, but sad for now. Then we wanted to go into, before we start talking about like current, current, like um, Amy Coney Barrett and like the Supreme Court, we were going to touch on Ruth Bader Ginsburg's legacy, just because her death was obviously the direct cause of like what's happening now. Right. So, and remembering her is just really important. So she was the second female and first Jewish female on the Supreme Court. She was the co-founder of the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU. So RBG led legal battles in front of the Supreme Court on ACLU's behalf, and she founded in 1972 the ACLU. The ACL, the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU was founded in 1972, and by 1974, so two years later, the project had already argued over 300 sex discrimination cases, so like 300 in two years, like insane. Yeah. And RBG personally argued many um, Supreme Court sex discrimination cases. cases in front of the Supreme Court were like a little foreshadowing. Amy Coney Barrett <laughs> has never argued anything before the Supreme Court. I think it's important to discuss as well how RBG argued these sex discrimination cases. And if you don't know the history of that, I like strongly recommend watching her documentary and also the movie On the Basis of Sex. It's so very good. accurate. But the whole the whole reason that she even was able to argue these cases was because she argued it for men, because she set the precedent that if men have equal rights, so do women. So obviously she was just like such an intelligent woman. And because of these precedents that she founded about sex discrimination, she was able to argue other cases once she was actually on the Supreme Court, like gay marriage and so on. Yeah. Um, and so another important thing to acknowledge about RB RBG that like I barely even knew this, like she actually was not super supportive of Roe v. Wade when it was first being argued. So this is all from the New York Times, just to preface. Um, so she, her whole thing, like, and she was still talking about this until like 
the day she died, she just thought that Roe v. Wade was asking for too much too fast and like the quickness of all of it. Like one day abortion was completely illegal and then the next it was like, okay. Like she thinks that that was the reason why like it was so like divisive. So um, I just wanted to read a quote. It says, this is from New York Times again. The way Justice Ginsburg saw it, Roe v. Wade was focused on the wrong argument, that restricting access to abortion violated a woman's privacy. What she hoped for instead was a protection of the right to abortion on the basis that restricting it impeded on gender equality. So the whole Roe v. Wade decision, like technically was all about like an American woman or just an American's right to privacy that's in the constitution. And Roe v. Wade was decided on the basis of that's a violation, like telling women they can't have an abortion is a violation of privacy. And RBG was like, what the hell? Like, that's not what the problem is here. Like the problem is like, why should anyone be saying anything to anyone? So she thought that just the way it was framed was very wrong. And obviously she supports choice, like a woman's right to choose, but she just, I think she would have handled it a different way, which I think is super interesting. Cause I think we all think like, oh, RBG, like she like loves Roe v. Wade. Like, I don't know. Like it's just, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, take on it. Cause obviously, like I get the argument that it would be, it's easier to argue against the right to privacy than yeah. equal rights. Yeah, under the law. Because so, the equal yeah. rights doesn't click in everyone's brain, clearly. Yeah. It's easier to argue, all I could think about when you were saying that is that it's probably easier to, like, overturn. And the fact, like, I didn't know this, as Jenna was saying, like, that's rippling over into what we're seeing today, because mm-hmm. if RVG didn't think that it was thought out well enough, like, and, and wasn't arguing the right thing, is then in 2020... They're going to take that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like she could see into the future. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. In the 70s, they were probably like, oh, my God, just like get with the program. Like, we're all trying to just like get rights. And she's like still arguing because she was so like ahead of that. It's just so interesting. Like she had like a 2020 point of view. Right. Yeah. And it is very black and white because it's like, OK, no abortions at all. Whereas it might have been more effective to be more gradual, which is what she wanted. Yeah, right. I think is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously, only eight days after Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, Amy Coney Barrett was appointed to the Supreme Court. Just like a little background, she's from New Orleans, but she lives in South Bend, Indiana. And something that I didn't know was like, we actually first heard about her in 2017. So like, I thought that she, I had no idea who this woman was. This is from, I believe I got all the, oh, New York Times, that she was nominated by Trump in 2017 to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, which is like the court for Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So like, and that I believe was her first introduction to like law. Before that, she was a clerk for Justice Antonin. Yes, well, I mean practicing law. Yeah, she wasn't practicing, but it is important to mention that before then, She worked under Justice Antonin Scalia. She was one of his four clerks and it was kind of like well known that she was like his favorite. Yeah, and she he was like her mentor. Yeah. She a lot of times says, like when you we've heard her publicly speak, she says, like, I take a lot of inspiration from Justice Scalia, which is like we all know Justice Scalia was like a well known Republican and just like it it all trickles down. So just a few days ago, she was appointed and it was a 52 to 48 vote from the Senate to fill her, which is very, like, obviously it's very close. So it just shows, like, it was not necessarily Republican Democrat. It was 
Republicans were going against her. It was like craziness that like no one expected. Yeah, so she's in officially, mm-hmm. which isn't the best. Yeah, and um, <laughs> later I'm going to get into her hearing and things like that. But first, we just kind of want to give you a background on who she is. I kind of fell into a rabbit hole with this. Her thing that everyone kind of like talks about is her involvement with a Christian group called People of Praise. I don't know where their headquarters is, but there's a she's in the branch in South Bend. And just some of their like basic ideas is so they do not like flat out, they will not accept any openly gay members at all. Hateful, obviously. I could not believe this. I was sitting at Foxy Loxy like doing all this and I was like, my jaw dropped when I read this part. So the group until 2018 referred to women as like handmaidens. And like Amy Coney Barrett is actually like officially listed in the group's directory as like a handmaiden, which is insane. Like I like can't even whatever. And when um, Handmaid's Tale came out, the group like switched the handmaiden title because they thought that that show is what shed like negative light on the word, which is like we all knew it was like disgusting to use like beforehand, (laughs) but like whatever. So now the female members of the group are called woman leader. That next part like makes me like go crazy too. Like I like um, So teens in the group must go through a process called coming underway in which they must choose to stay single and celibate or get married. Those who choose to stay single must live in a house with other couples sharing tasks. So like 18 year olds who are like three years younger than us, almost like our age, yeah. have to choose... They're either going to stay single and, like, totally celibate for the rest of their lives. And they have to live with married couples and, like, do chores for them, pretty much. Or they can go get married and, like, I don't know if it's an arranged marriage. I don't really know how that works. It's still, like, scary. And, like, as much as... I just want to add, like, as much as this is relevant, just because she's a part of the group, we obviously don't want to, like, speak for her and say, like, she absolutely believes in everything they do. Mm Because we don't know that for a Mm -hmm. fact. But... Yeah, this is the group she's a part of, so... Yeah, she associates with this group, although she hasn't publicly, like, on the record said, like, yes, like, I'm a handmaiden for people of praise. Like, it's, like, a financial thing. Like, everyone knows that she's a part of this group. You have to send your assets to them, which is, like, a little corrupt, in my opinion. Like, you have to, like, pay them. And it's supposed to be, like, this, like, beautiful, spiritual thing. There's just, like, obviously a lot of, like problems that we're seeing i remember i was reading something about the handmaids and like how that was what they referred to them and i feel like that is just such a reflection of how like strong-willed she is in her beliefs and like that when you are resonating with a group that has beliefs like that and calls people like things like that i mean Mm -hmm. there's no like convincing them to change something for the better of others like they are very passionate about what they believe and even if like you were saying she doesn't believe in all of it or those aren't all her views but to have that connection and then be going into such a powerful position is Mm -hmm. just alarming lastly with people of praise this is crazy men are still called the heads and women are called beheaded like it's just it just sounds like I was sitting with one of my friends and I was like doing this like taking the notes and I was like this sounds like it's like fake it it just sounds like it would be in like a movie like how hateful and like backwards um so I'm going to get into Amy Coney Barrett's hearing and some of the important things that we learned about her through that 
Um, so I think one of the most important things is that um, she calls herself an originalist. And this is a pretty common term. Uh, it means that she believes that the Constitution should be interpreted as it was originally intended. And so the opposite of that is called an interpretivist. And basically it's kind of thought that Republicans are traditionally originalists and liberals are traditionally interpretivists. During the hearing, uh, she was very reluctant to answer a lot of questions. Um, and she said she was following the Ginsburg rule. And what she's referring to is that before Ruth Bader Ginsburg's hearing, she said she would not be providing any hints, previews, or forecasts into what decisions she would make on the bench. And really, she was saying that she didn't want to make promises or say things and then end up going back on that once she was on the court. However, Ginsburg still was open about um, how she felt about things like Roe v. Wade. So, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did say this, but I would say that Amy Coney Barrett took it um, very literally in her hearing. Um, so the thing that I think is really interesting about that is like, I'm literally getting like mad. Right. It's like the whole point of the hearing is to get an insight on what her agenda is. Right. And she like... She would not, if you watch the hearing, she just would not answer any question. Right. And it's like, we all just want to know, like, what you're about. Like, so maybe we could, like, like you more. Right. Like, but it's like, <laughs> she would not say anything, which is just so disturbing and, like, upsetting. Right. So another important question that continued to come up throughout the hearing was, would she recuse herself from any election rulings um, in case there was an election dispute? The reason this was even a question was because Trump said he needed nine justices specifically for this purpose. After RBG's death, he wanted to fill the court quickly in case of an election dispute. People kind of think that means that she was appointed specifically for this purpose. And another reason that this is really important is that um, she was a lawyer on the Martin County case back in 2000, which was a case that helped decide the Bush v. Gore election. And she was a lawyer on this case. And basically what happened was a more Republican county and a more Democratic county, uh, a lot of their ballots were filled out incorrectly. And the Republican ballots um, officials went back in and fixed the corrections so that those ballots could be counted. And the Democrats were not given that same um, privilege. So there was a court case about it, and it ended up that the Republicans won, and so about 700 Republican ballots were able to be counted, and that helped Bush win the election. And this is also important because Kavanaugh and Roberts were also on the team of lawyers that argued that case. But when asked this question, she said she would never allow herself to be used as a pawn by the president, and she will consult with colleagues if she feels she needs to step aside, if this does end up being a Supreme Court case. Um, and so another thing that I think is important to talk about is the idea of a super precedent. So a super precedent is not in any law books. It's not, you know, really technical term. It's And everybody kind of interprets it differently. But overall, it means a precedent that is set that is so not contested and so obvious that it likely will never be contested or argued again. So a good example of that is Brown versus the Board of Education. Um, we're never going to go back on that unless something goes terribly, terribly wrong. So that would be considered a super precedent. Um, and during the hearings, Barrett was asked by Amy Klobuchar. Shout out to Amy. Love her. Love. Um, she was asked if Barrett considers Roe v. Wade to be a super precedent. Barrett said no. She believes that it's too highly contested to be considered a super precedent. She does believe that it's 
allowed to be argued again. Um, but she did say that she found it unlikely and she understands that it's a very controversial topic. So lastly, actually lastly, about Amy Coney Barrett is um, the question is like, had she seen the George Floyd video? Had Has she been on top of Black Lives Matter? Especially because um, she does have adopted black children from Haiti. So a lot of people were kind of wondering, like, well, how does she feel? Like, she has black little children, like, who she would possibly have to explain this to. And she obviously sides with and aligns with a group that, like, isn't as openly accepting towards, like, minorities. Um, but at the end of the day, she refused to acknowledge systemic racism in the justice system, and she preferred to stay away from hot-button issues, which is just, like... I don't know, like, if you have children who, like, this could potentially affect in their future, like, how do you not speak up? Even if you don't have children, how do you not speak up? Yeah, and I think it's important um, to say that this question did come from a Republican senator, and it was kind of to humanize her a little bit, and it did. She did talk about how, you know, she had to explain the the video to her daughter and explain that, you know, there is prejudice, but, you know, she did refuse to specifically acknowledge systemic racism. But it is important to acknowledge that she does have two um, black children that were adopted. So now we just kind of want to talk about now that Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed, she is on the court. Um, And so the court is now six to three. Just kind of to get an idea from like most left to most right. So on the most right, we have Justice Thomas. And on the most left, we have Justice Sotomayor. And kind of now a lot of people have said, I, I mean, I got most of my research from the New York Times and also NPR. So... What the specialist on the New York Times had to say was that Judge Amy Coney Barrett kind of falls in between Justice Thomas and Justice Gorsuch in terms of being the most right. So Thomas is still the most right, but that would make Amy kind of second to most right. And it almost kind of puts Justice Kavanaugh sort of in the middle. He's a little bit of like not as conservative as the others, but still very conservative. Yeah, so... The other thing to consider when thinking about Amy Coney Barrett is like, although she hasn't explicitly said that she plans to overturn Roe v. Wade, Trump has stated in the past that like as president, he plans to solely appoint justices that have that agenda. So it's like, did Trump go back on his word or is she kind of like, she has this like secret plan. So when she was talking to Diane Feinstein, who is like a cool cat, <laughs> during her hearing, again, Amy Coney Barrett would not give a direct answer. And she was like, I have no agenda. I have no agenda. And Diane Feinstein was kind of like, how do you not have an agenda? Like she's like snapped at her. And she was like, how do you not have an agenda? Like, this is like the pressing issue right now. Like, this is so disturbing as a woman. And like, you being a woman, like, how do you not have an agenda for this? Not even just being a woman, but if you're going to be on the Supreme Court, you need to have an agenda, whether people like it or not. Like, if you're going to say you're not going to do anything, why are we appointing you? Yeah, and it's right. like a major issue right now. Like, how do you not have any beliefs on it? It's just like it doesn't... She obviously does. That's like the point. Yeah, and she's hiding it because it's... Not... Yeah, it's not what anyone wants to hear. Here. Yeah, which isn't a, how politics should be. Yeah, it's just, like, despicable. It's scary. She should be completely transparent if she's going to be in such a high position of power. Yeah, because usually even people, if they have controversial views, they're still going to really stand their ground in what they believe in. So the fact that she can't even, even if we don't agree with it or someone doesn't agree with it or 
only a small group of groups, it's like, how can you not stand your ground for what you believe in? Like, that's what yeah. leaders do. And that's, Yeah, and it's like, then do you think it's wrong if you're, like, not willing to, like, state it? Like, are you embarrassed? Like, why are you not t- talking about it? It's almost like she knows it's wrong. Yeah, that's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, if, if it's so important and right, why can't you talk about it? That's, like, what it comes down to. Like, if you feel so strongly, why are you not, like... Right. Yeah, because that's what all the and other you know, senators and, like, justices do. It might be, too, that she doesn't want to say that she thinks it's not something that the court should argue anymore, but she doesn't want her kind of supporters to know that because a lot of people that support her obviously are against Roe v. Wade. So, you know, we could be – she could not want to say anything because she doesn't want to argue it again. Yeah. She doesn't so want to split know, up the But the problem is that we don't know. I just – I feel like since you've been talking, I've just been given so many points where it's like, it's just she seems unqualified. <laughs> oh my god, that Anna, that brought me to like, we didn't write this down, but like, have you guys just for like conversation sake, like seen her resume? I haven't like visually haven't seen, seen it, it, but I've heard a lot about just like. I brought it up in the meeting the other day, but there is a video of her not knowing all of our rights. Mm-hmm in the first amendment and it's like that's like the first thing you learn in law school like i don't understand if you want citizenship in the united states obviously you have to go through insane tests that the normal person doesn't know but like she didn't know what people who are trying to become citizens of the united states need to know so how on earth can you be a leader of the country if you don't even know what our like government is based upon that makes no yeah. sense to me. Obviously, um, that video was embarrassing for a lot of reasons, but I do feel like it's worth and mentioning. The, you can't argue it either. Dude. Yeah, I do feel like it's worth mentioning just, you know, for the sake of being a little bit unbiased and just playing devil's advocate. You know, she was a clerk for, for Justice Scalia, and that's a hard job. She helps write, you know, all of his dissents and Stuff like that. So, I mean, she was a part of the court in a way. So I feel like that does make her at least a little bit qualified. Mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. You know, not it's not yeah. like she, like, graduated law school and now all of a sudden she's yeah. a Yeah, and she justice. was a professor of law, which, like, another thing with that is, like, when she was at Notre Dame, that's where she studied law and, like, I believe she taught there as well. She right. signed an ad that said, quote-unquote, it's time to put an end to the barbaric legacy of Roe v. Wade, which is, like, a direct statement from npr she has promised in maybe not publicly or like under trump's term but like she has said that she like would want roe v wade to be overturned in some way so it's like food for thought i don't mean to scare any listeners here because we don't (laughs) we don't want to just be like boo like your rights may be taken away like that's not really beneficial but like you just have to think about everything Right. And I don't necessarily think it's, oh, they're all going to be taken away, but what we still have left to fight for has more obstacles now because no one, you know, took her place that's also fighting for what RBG fought for. Like, it's just going to be harder. And I saw somewhere, I don't have the source, but I have heard that it's, at the rate we're going, it's going to be about 100 more years until we get equal pay. And, like, even just with someone who is really doesn't have very, you know, feminist views. It's just an obstacle in the way of getting what. It's just one more person who, like, can't... And it's, like, one more woman, which is, like, the craziest part to me that, like, won't stand by 
a quality in any right. way. Like it just like does not, that's what really boggles my mind. Yeah. Something that um, I keep, you know, seeing and reading everywhere is this idea that, you know, a woman in power isn't inherently feminist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I keep seeing that too. Right. And like, True. you know, I read this quote and I wish I had the direct quote, but it was like, it's so sad that, you know, she was kind of the person that walked through these doors as a woman, but then she closed them for women behind her mm-hmm. in what she did. So, wow, that is that a quote from something? I, I see that. I read all it somewhere. Over. I didn't. I didn't make that up. <laughs> I don't get credit for that. <laughs> I haven't heard that, and I was just like, chill. I, I know, chills. chills, chills. I mean, we could say I made it up, but <laughs> I agree because a lot of people on the other on the other side of things are saying, well, it's it's not at all feminist to you know tear a woman down or like a woman is in the government and you guys are just you know tearing her down, whatever. Which I don't think that's what's happening. But like as a woman and and wanting more women leadership, if I see someone like all these things you've just told me she doesn't really speak what she believes in and doesn't really put her agenda out there or like say like this is what I'm fighting for like that's what what I think of as being strong and being a leader and the fact that she can't even do that is just that that's not feminist to me and I think like I just thought of this like the saddest part is like it shouldn't even be so special that a woman is being put into government like it's like that like that's like the best part it's like it's so backwards i know like when i talk about amy coney barrett i'm like oh my god am i being offensive i don't even i don't know how to explain it like is it like a subliminal thing like oh it's just like a woman like in politics and like people don't like that it shouldn't be so outlandish what's um kind of bizarre too is that like trump said that he was saving amy for when rbg died because Mm. he was like i'm gonna replace a woman with another woman but it was like, well, did you consider women when you appointed Kavanaugh? No. Or no? Well, also, that almost objectifies it. It's like, okay, like, here's... Yeah, I agree, because if it was if it was a man, there's never really anything special, you know, about a man. Go- and if it was a man, then we would just say, oh, he's against women's rights, he's a, like, misogynist, whatever. But then it's yeah. such a big deal. And even from personal experience, my own family, who, like, my extended family, who... Um, you know, are older and and have different beliefs than I do, we're like, well, why, like, you should be celebrating, you should be happy, like, telling me. Yeah, that's what my my family said, the same thing, Anna, like, my cousins, I'm like. Like, my cousin, who's my age, her mom got mad at her because she wouldn't watch the appointment with her, and my cousin was like, no, because she doesn't, she doesn't stand up for what I believe in, like, I shouldn't have to support this woman if she doesn't support women. It's like, it almost feels like, us as like American women feel like, oh my God, do I have this like obligation to like stand with a woman? Like, especially in the Supreme Court, which is the highest power that like there is. Although we don't believe in like what she says, like, am I supposed to be like happy that like he appointed a woman? And it's like, no, her being a woman should not be, that's not like a special thing about her, if that makes sense. Like she- Being a, I mean, being a woman in itself isn't, yeah, it doesn't set you aside. Meg and I wanted to like end our little blurb with another current event just to like frame it. Um, and this is something again, like I fell into a big uh, rabbit hole with, and it's um, the Mississippi abortion ban. So has have any of you guys like heard anything about that? I don't. Um, 
Yeah, it's not really being publicized. I don't know like what that is. I got uh, I got a few sources for this, but like I mostly used CBS. This is supposed to be Amy Coney Barrett's like opening like role in the Supreme Court. Like this is gonna be her like her debut. Um, so the Supreme Court is going to be reviewing whether or not to reopen the case of a very strict um, Mississippi abortion law. Like states can make their own kind of like guidelines. In Mississippi, abortion is completely illegal after 15 weeks. Like there is no loopholes. So obviously that's very wrong and unjust. We were supposed to hear a few days ago what the Supreme Court decided to do. And again, this isn't like, is it gonna be legal or not? They're just seeing if they even wanna reopen it, but it got pushed back a few days. I don't know why I didn't really get into that. So we're kind of waiting on that, which is a huge deal. Cause this is a super, super, super strict law that like I didn't even know was happening. I, I haven't seen anything on Instagram, which I think is like super interesting because usually that hits pretty fast. Yeah, that, that we should definitely as a club, like open that conversation because I had not heard about that until you just said that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard nothing of that, but. And that, yeah. And I'm very interested, especially since Anna and I and you guys too are in Georgia currently and that's <laughs> very similar politics so yeah and it's just like we're gonna see how Amy feels right. really like this is gonna like she can't hide anymore so we're gonna see it within the next couple of days the Supreme Court's gonna pick it up and see what they're gonna do so obviously we're hoping for the best and they're gonna reopen the case but who knows with this right. group <laughs> that's also just an important thing because none of us we're really aware that like if anyone is listening and you want to know what's going on how you can help and like just things to pay attention to like that's one of them even if it's not super public mm -hmm. public and like from a lot of things that I've read or watched you know usually when they're very low-key it's because they're intended to be not largely publicized mm -hmm. yeah I think something worth adding to is like if you're feeling like I need to do something Educating yourself is really like the first step. And absolutely, we are not the end-all be-all of information. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned some really great sources today, New York Times, NPR, CBS, etc. Um, everyone should be doing their own research aside from Instagram. You see things every day and sometimes they're just little graphics that some 13-year-old made in her room <laughs> and now it's viral. So, you know, make sure you're checking everything before you believe it or, re or even repost it. Um, you should always be fact checking before you do that. Yeah, because I think when people like are quick to jump on like incorrect like media that's like Republican right. and that like is like maybe hateful, but it's like there is so much that is put out there like that makes liberals and like activists look bad because right. it's wrong. I saw a video today on TikTok. It was a Joe Biden campaign and he was quoting Donald Trump and said racist Mexicans because that's what Donald Trump said. He was quoting it and someone that, you know, wanted to tear Biden down literally like cut it to just that and then claimed that Joe Biden said that. And then all these people were reposting it and spreading it. And it's like, then this person that the 